morning, everyone. We are in uh, week eight of a series called Rise Above, and I hope so far in this series you've been able to maybe take a different perspective than what you've seen about life. And I know we've all had some challenges in the last months, but I also know that in the midst of those challenges that God is still working, amen? God is still working. He didn't leave. He's still there doing the work that he has always done. And as we've started this series, one of the things that we spoke about was simply that, that idea that when there's sometimes this big storm in the sky that we've seen, and we see the storm, we see the lightning bolts, we see all those things, but sometimes, even in the middle of those storms, they will allow a plane to take off. And when that plane begins to take off and elevates and continues to go up, what does it do? It gets above the storm, where it doesn't have the impact that everybody is feeling down below, but they're seeing something different from up above. And so the challenge has been through this time for every one of us, in one way or another, no matter what we're facing, because we all may be facing a little bit of a different circumstance, to all of us to rise above our current circumstances, to be able to see a little bit of a different view and perspective about how God sees what we're facing and what we're going through. And maybe even through how God may be trying to change us in good ways in the middle of this. Now, this is something that we cannot miss this opportunity that we have before us as the church of Jesus Christ in this world. We can't miss the opportunity to, fear, to figure out what is God trying to speak to us in this season? What is he beginning to birth in our hearts and our souls? What are we experiencing in this moment that we know God can use in the future? As we sang just a moment ago, we think about the things that for many people, their foundations were laid upon. And those foundations were gone in an instant with a small virus. So what does it mean for us as the church and as individual followers of Jesus Christ to rise above the circumstances? I heard about this story that comes from a book called Flickering Pixels by Shane Hips. And he says, I have two friends who are best friends. Each man was the best man in the other's wedding. They talk every day, sometimes more than once, on their cell phones. They live only a few blocks from each other. Yet recently, one of the best friends told me he hasn't seen his best friend in two months. They live a block away. Their friendship is beginning to have its effects and beginning to wither from the lack of true contact. Each person has separately lamented to me that they don't feel that they know the other person. Isn't that what happens when communication changes? Is it a stretch to think that the illusion of real contact provided by cell phones has something to do with this story? The cell phones created, sure, a voice across the line. But what about the physical contact? What about being together as a community or as a group of people? See, one of the things that electronic culture does is it kind of disembodies us and separates us from those that are closest to us. And we're quite unaware of this phenomenon, and in fact, we believe technology is something that brings us closer, and the near become far, and the far become near. 
This is kind of the paradox that we're dealing with in the electronic age. We desire connection and community, yet we wander around the globe glancing at other nomads who are staring down at their phones. And we've experienced this in recent times. With all the technology that's out there, and I'm, believe me, I'm thankful for it, and I hope you are too, because there's been a lot of things we've been able to do that we never could have done 10 years ago. But we know that it doesn't take place of being present physically. That's why you're here today, isn't it? Because you know that staring at a screen is not the same as being together, singing songs and worshiping. And even if we can't contact, just to have eye contact with another human being and talk through your mask or go outside. There's something about it that's different than staring at a screen, and we all know that. We all sense that. We all sense that there's something different. And this paradox is bringing us closer, but yet further at the same time. And as we continue to study Scripture, it's often filled with things that seem the opposite of what we think, or maybe what those around us or what the world thinks about certain things. So the last two weeks, we've been talking about rising above apathy. Getting beyond apathy. Just not caring. One of the things that we know is that when we choose to follow Christ, apathy is not an option. We allow his presence, as we talked about last week, when we allow his presence to enter into the room of our hearts, the room of our shame, the room of our fear, and he declares peace to us, peace goes. Peace is there. Fear is gone. Anxiety is gone. Because we understand that he's in control. So when we come together and his presence enters this room, immediately fear should dissipate from our hearts. And that's what we want. The anxiety goes because his presence is here. And his presence can be right among you wherever you are. Because of that presence, we can then step out into something that we called last week the mission. We know that we're called to a mission because our life now has purpose. God has divine appointments for every one of us set up for us to do. Appointments that I can't go to. Imagine if I was to set up a doctor appointment and send Douglas to do the testing for me or to be tested there's a couple that might not be a bad idea to do that for. Doesn't work that way, does it? <laughs> we can't do that. We can't set an appointment for somebody else. And let me tell you this morning, God has divine appointments for you that Pastor John can do nothing about, and I can't go there for you. I can't take the test for you. I can't speak to that person for you. And every one of us have those divine appointments that God has set out for us. And we can't say, God, send someone else like Moses did. Here I am, God, send him. That's easy. No, there are divine appointments for you that he's calling you to, for you and for me. And we also learned that not only are we given this mission, not only are there divine appointments, but the Holy Spirit gives us the power to become that witness and to help us to back up our bold declarations, not in our own strength, but through the power and strength of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And there's something else we do to rise above. Now, 
One of the things that we need to do as the believers in Christ, and it's so easy to get caught up in a different way of living, is to think differently than the world around us. We can fill ourselves with so much junk that before we know it, we're spouting the same stuff we're listening to on either side of any argument. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be weird, just different. Why? Because we base our life on a different set of values. We base our life on a different set of principles, a different standard. And we do our best to follow after what God's word speaks. The problem is, is that we're surrounded by people that are going in the opposite direction. And man, isn't it easier just to go along with everybody else? Ever been at a county fair? and everybody's going one direction, and you're trying to go the opposite? It's hard to move around, isn't it? It's hard to get to where you want to go. I mean, those big sugar-coated things aren't going to eat themselves. You've got to get across the lane to get those things. And you see, we don't do this intentionally. I don't think anybody goes out and says, I'm just going to think like everybody else and do exactly what they do, because that's what they do. And, but... The more we're around it, we slowly, piece by piece, bit by bit, we begin to think this in the same ways as the world around us. And we begin to live like people at ground level. We speak the same way. We say the same things. We even begin to believe things that just aren't true, even about God's word. Because if you repeat a lie enough times, it'll become a verified fact. And it's so easy to get caught up. And I hear even people who, who say why they don't believe in Christ or why they don't believe in the Bible. They're just spouting and repeating things that they've heard from other people. They've never truly read or researched the Bible for themselves. You see, suddenly you can find yourself caught up in that crowd. And this morning I'm going to call this ground-level living. Ground-level living. And we all know that there's a big difference between ground-level living and rising above. Because we've all been in both places, haven't we? We've been in the valley at the ground level. We've been on the mountaintop where we feel like we're rising above. But you see, in order to rise above, we have to do a little bit of a spiritual checkup. And again, you can't send me in your place for this checkup. This is something you have to do on your own. But how are we doing are we compromising the truth of God's word in any area of our lives? Have we let things slip? The only way we can do that is to measure it against God's word. If you're not reading God's word, guess what? It's going to be hard to measure against nothing. Here's just a few examples of ground living versus rising above, and there's probably many more you can come up with. But ground living says get more. You deserve it. But rising above living says, give more. It doesn't belong to you. Ground living says, family first, or maybe your career first. Rising above says, God first. It says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. Ground living may say, do everything you can to get to the top. Rising above living 
There's a man named Solomon that reminds us that even that is meaningless. Even if we get everything that we ever wanted, it's still meaningless in the end. Because it's earthly and it will fade. It will pass away. Ground living. I demand my rights. Well, we read in scriptures that Jesus laid down his rights. And thousands of martyrs gave their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the blood of martyrs became the seed for the gospel that spread all over the world. Ground Living says, I am in control of my own destiny. Rising Above says, God is in control. And I want to be in alignment with his plan. Man, that's a lot just there. <laughs> we could go on and on. How much time do you have? See, there's this grand paradox in scripture that when we lay down our lives, we find it. And when we try to hold on to it, we lose it. You see, as followers of Christ, we need to really think about these words and what they mean for us. In order to rise above our life circumstances, we need to lay down our lives, our will, our plans. It is only then that we'll experience to live, experience a life to live more fully, as the church down the street, Cape Cod Church says. This is not easy because it's a lifelong process of laying down our lives. If, if only we could lay it down once and that was all we had to do. But don't we know that we have to lay it down again and again and again and again? Why? Because the world just creeps right back in and we begin to live for ourselves again. A fairly long intro <laughs> to this morning's passage but today's passage will bring to bear this tension between ground living and rising above. Ground living and rising above. And this is a tension that you can read all throughout Scripture. I had a hard time picking one or two. All throughout Scripture, you're going to see the same tension between what it means to live as, a, as a, a part of this earth, a human being on this planet with sin and all the other junk, and then what God is calling us to do to rise above that to be his followers. In the context of the passage today, you might remember where Jesus spoke to this rich young ruler. What did he say to this rich young ruler? Well, he wanted to know, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments. He said, well, I've done all those things. I've kept all the Ten Commandments all of my life. Jesus said, well, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have and follow me. And this man walked away sad, for he had many things. So this is the context of the passage we're getting ready to go into here, where Jesus just stated that it's very difficult for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to notice, kind of, comical in a way. I want you to notice the disciples' response here. There's an immediate response to this young man that walked away. Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 through 30 says, then Peter said to him, it's always Peter, isn't it? It's always Peter, the one that says to him. Peter would be the one in, in the crowd going, I'm just saying, I'm just saying is all, right? 
Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Fair question. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon the glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Now, I just saw some siblings' ears perk up there. Wait, give up brother? I can do that? Give up my sister? I can do that? And God will reward me for it? <laughs> Even better. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So one way that we see people living at ground level is wrapped up in that one question. What do I get? This life was saying, hey, Jesus, uh, that sharp-dressed man, he had all this money and wealth, and he walked away from you, but not us. We already gave it all up for you. Now what are we going to get? What do we get for following you, Jesus? What are the bennies? What's the benefits? Will we rule with you? Is there a good retirement plan? What about health insurance? This is living at the ground level, isn't it? What can I get now? What is best for me now? And Jesus attempts to bring them back into a life that rises above. Where does he bring their attention back to? And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times much in return and will inherit eternal life. He brings their eyes back to the eternal. From all this other stuff. Now notice he wasn't saying that we would not be blessed in this life, only that you'll receive a hundred times as much in return. And maybe some of that is eternal. Maybe some of those blessings are here. But it's the eternal life that really matters, isn't it? We see in other passages of Scripture where Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or, the, or how you're going to be clothed. Don't worry about those things. The Father knows that you need all of those things. And he'll give it to you. What's the next part of that? But first the kingdom. And all those other things, they'll be added. So don't focus on ground living, which is only temporary. Focus on rising above, on eternity. Because if you're not careful, we can find ourselves using the same approach. God, what do I get if I follow you? If I give it all up for you, if I lay down my life this morning, will I get wealth? Will I be blessed beyond all measure? Will I get some kind of position of power? Maybe a Lamborghini? Maybe if I give my life today, you'll heal that person that I've been hoping would be healed. And that's ground living at its finest. Jesus would say to you and me, don't get focused on ground level living. Focus on the things above. Rise above and follow him. This 
song by Chris McClarney. And he sings, I want to waste it all. I want to waste my life all on you. I want to waste it. I want to give it all to you. There's another song he sings says, it will be worth it all. I'm giving everything that I got because it will be worth it. It'll be worth it all. Because when you give your life to him, it'll be nowhere compared to what you can ever get on this earth. And in the very next chapter, we see more ground-level living from a very insistent mother. No parent would blame her because she came to Jesus and she's only looking out for her sons. She wants to be sure that her sons will come out of all of this stuff going on with maybe at least a job, right? Some kind of a job title, some kind of a new position. And she asked Jesus to allow her sons to be at his side as they come into the kingdom. Again, that's ground level thinking. You see, if only this insistent mother would have gone back to verse 28, where Jesus tried to turn the tide of what the disciples were focused on and say, no, it's about the eternity, not about what you're going to get here. It's not about power here. It's about rising above. Where Jesus said, I assure you, in the world to come, you're all going to sit on a throne. No, she must have missed that part of Jesus' Rise Above series. Maybe she missed that week. But Jesus takes the opportunity to teach something that was counterintuitive to the disciples and often is very counterintuitive to us. Jesus defines what it truly means to lead, how the world, and, and it's different than how the world defines it around them. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28 says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, right here lies the key of living a life that rises above and getting above ground-level living. The paradox of being a Christ follower, rising above means laying down your life. Rising above means laying down your life, not demanding your rights, not getting more stuff. It's not in power or position. It's in laying it down. Among you, he says, it will be different because you're not going to live at the ground level. You're going to live at the rise above level. Whoever wants to be a leader must serve. But how, do we, how are we a servant? and rise above. How does that make sense? Jesus came to serve, and he asked the same of his followers. We are to lead not in power, wealth, or status, but in service. It's that declaration that sometimes we sing with different songs where we declare that our lives are his, where we say, Jesus, my life is yours. All I have is yours. All of my family is yours. Everything that I have, Lord, I give it to you. It's a prayer of dedication. This is a declaration backed by the power of the Holy Spirit to help you see it through. It reminds me of a story I heard about a youth rally in Florida. The leaders took up an offering because that's what you do. And 
And the men who were counting it found a small picture of a girl in the offering plate. Now, they were confused, and maybe they were thinking that maybe this was accidental or maybe even some kind of a prank. You know, one of the teen boys threw the picture in there in the offering. But they were wrong. When they flipped over that picture and looked at the back of it, it says, I have no money, but I give myself. I have no money, but I give myself. Just like we sang this morning, just as I am. We come before God, and we think we have nothing. And we come broken, in need of healing, in need of mending, in need of change, in need of, need of something different, in need of something to break the routine, in need of something to take us above the status quo. And we come just as we are, imperfect as we are, with whatever we have, and we lay it at the throne room of God. We lay it on his altar and say, I don't have much, Lord, but here is what I can give. Just like this young girl said, I have no money, but Lord, I give myself to you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. We start off the worship service this morning thinking about all the faithfulness and the things that he's done for us. That he is good and he loves us. So we give our bodies because of what he's already given, what he's done for us. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We don't worship him with just songs. We worship him by giving and dedicating our lives to him. It goes beyond singing together. It's a declaration that, Lord, I'm giving myself to you. That's what worship is. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's what we've been talking about all morning. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, don't live at ground level. It's not good enough for you as a, a follower of Christ. Because the ground level is, full about, is, is all about living life for yourself and pleasing yourself, and what's good for you. But the rise above is to give your life as a sacrifice to God, to let God transform you by changing the way that you think, not by going along with the crowd. Getting above ground level, knowing God's good and pleasing and perfect plan for your life is living above ground level. Because when you know the plan, you can work out the plan. You can begin to look for those divine appointments that he's putting before you. Yes, and like the little girl with the faith of a child, give yourself. Give money too, that's good. But give yourself. Give your life. If you truly want to rise above, you'll no longer go with the crowd or what the crowd's saying. You will not live at the ground level thinking. You will think on things above. If you truly, truly want to rise above, you will lay your life down. You will serve you will give, you will help. It's here that we truly begin to see our si ourselves rising above the ground priorities of this life. How many of you experienced when you've given, when you've done something for someone else, when you've got out of your way to help, 
you've served someone, what does that do to you? When you make yourself a slave and you serve someone else, God lifts you up, doesn't he? He helps you to rise above. Rising above requires giving your life to Jesus. This morning there may be somebody in this room that's never done that. Or maybe there are others here that maybe you've done it a long time ago, but you recognize that you haven't quite been living up to the standard. You recognize this morning that you need to rededicate your life. You need to put your life back up on the altar. Because you know what a living sacrifice does? When you go to put that thing on the altar, it's going to wiggle and move and try to get off of it, won't it, at times. So you got to do, crawl back up there, crawl back up there. Put yourself back there again and again and again. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone in here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and you can say this morning, you've never given your heart to Christ. You've never, you've never said, Lord, I'm going to give my life to you. Or maybe you have, but you're far away from where you started. Your journey has taken you along some different paths that you never expected to go down. This morning may be your opportunity to give your life or rededicate your life today or to give your life for the first time. And I can tell you this morning, if you're trying to rise above, you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. But if you give your life to him, he will rise you up. He will raise you up. He will give new life. If you'd like to do that this morning, you can say this simple prayer in your heart. The words aren't magic. But it's simply truly meaning what you're saying with these words. You can say something like this, Lord Jesus... Forgive me of my sin. I have made many mistakes in my life, but today I give myself. I give you my life to shape me and to put me in alignment with your will and plan for me. Lord, make me new. Today I lay down my life. Today I give my life to you. Come into my life and change me today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand this morning. I want to say a, read a passage over you. And this was a letter written to the church in Philippi. And I'm going to encourage you this week. This is Philippians chapter 2. Take some time and read it. And reread it. And read it again. And allow it to speak to your heart and life because there may be portions of this that you read and say, that is for me. Lord, help me to be what Paul is speaking here. Philippians chapter 2, he's written to the Philippian church and therefore he's writing to us, the church. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep, deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now do everything without complaining and arguing. I'll say that again. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share in that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share in that joy. I want you to go here, from here, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to continue to rise above, to serve those around you, and allow God to work in you to raise you up. Amen? God bless you. Don't forget that the offering is on the way out. You can drop it right in the offering basket. Have a great Sunday, and we will see you next week.